Welcome to the Voices of Wall Street podcast, a show bringing fresh insights about the stock market, economy, and the most innovative companies from the sharpest people in the world of business and finance. I'm Dion Rabowan. The future of money is accelerating towards a cashless society, and mobile payments company Square is at the center of the evolution. The company has positioned itself to become a go-to solution for merchants while also serving as a digital consumer bank. I spoke to Max Friedrich, fintech analyst at ARK Invest, about why he sees massive potential for Cash App, how Square has been able to navigate the pandemic, and how Bitcoin fits into the big picture. All right, Max, thank you so much for being with us. Um, I want to start with uh, some of your work covering a lot of different companies in this fintech payment space. And the one that I think is is the most interesting right now is Square. Before we get into the nitty gritty, um, can you just give us a breakdown of Square's business model, both the consumer and, and the seller side? Sure. Thank you for having me. Well, Square started over 10 years ago now, really revolutionizing credit card payments in the sense that Square democratized accepting credit card payments for small and micro merchants. Um, Many of listeners probably remember the little Square dongle that you can stick onto your smartphone. So they started with that, but then they expanded to kind of more, um, um, you know, uh, kind of more uh, detailed or or for the build out um, proprietary point of sale hardware. Mm-hmm. And from that point, they actually expanded further um, kind of in line with their mission statement, which is to empower small businesses and did not only offer those small businesses the point of sale hardware, but also supporting software. And that's something that from our perspective at Arc is really interesting um, about Square that they're not only now offering this, you know, you might even say commoditized um uh, kind of hardware or this means to just accept payments, right. um, but actually support the the merchants uh, when it comes to payroll and and all kinds of other services, yeah. access to working capital and so they've, forth. And then they really wrapped up the whole space. Yes, um, and I think they were kind of the first uh, to do so. And you know, you have some comments from uh, Jamie Dimon from J.P. Morgan saying like, "Well, we should have done that uh, a few years back." So I think they really were. We're pioneering this um, space, mm-hmm. and and then kind of to your question about the consumer ecosystem that Square has built up um, in 2013, 2014. Square started to put together a consumer product um, now called the Cash App, and that initially was just a, a way for consumers to move around money between bank accounts easily, right. um, and that has really morphed into what we at our call the digital wallet. An application from on your phone where you can manage different financial, but in the future maybe also other commercial um, kind of uh, products and and services from. Uh, so they started with P2P payments, um, and since then they've really expanded to a number of financial products. Uh, they launched a debit card, direct deposit. You can get your paycheck right into the cash app. Um, you can invest in stocks uh, with fractional shares or via, via fractional shares. Uh, in Bitcoin, they now are testing a lending product. Um, they acquired a company in Spain, so they might expand globally with the Cash App. So yeah. there's also a lot going on in their consumer ecosystem. A lot going on. And I think a lot of people didn't even realize that Square owned Cash App. And 
What I think is really interesting is Cash App was something that I first heard about just from like people I knew, you know, back in the neighborhood would talk about Cash App. You know, people on on social media became this really popular thing of like, yo, just Cash App me. You know, if you like what I do, send me something on the Cash App. Uh, but you've got this idea that Cash App is the consumer bank of the future. You know, you talked about all the different options that it that it affords. But talk to me a little bit about that. And also this Bitcoin investment. Uh, Jack Dorsey and Square made a huge, or I guess it was actually a relatively paltry, I guess a huge investment for someone like myself, but a pretty small one for a company with the market cap the size of Square. But why did they go into Bitcoin at that level? And how does that play into their overall strategy? Yes. So regarding the first part of your question, I think it's important to kind of take a step back and generally uh, acknowledge the fact that financial institutions are not really liked by many people. (laughs) If you look at some of the surveys that are done, uh, the big banks, they really rank into the low in the, in the row ranks, uh, row ranks of, you know, uh, trusted brands, like brands and so forth. You don't really like engaging with your band, uh, with your uh, bank. And I think that, that is one of the kind of key things that Square or Cash App turned on its head using those um, those methods that you just described, um, you know, active on social media, you know, they're working together with with uh, different uh, rappers and artists. So they're really trying to become a part of, of, of culture. Um, and um, yeah, so that's that's one of the kind of perspectives we look at in terms of, you know, people like to use the product. Um, and if you look at banks today, they're actually pretty bad at cross-selling users different financial services. So in the U.S., consumers are only using 1.8 financial products per financial institution. And if you think about how many different um, financial products yeah, there how many are, are there? mortgage, insurance, <laughs> yeah, like at least 8, 10, 12 categories, like it depends on how you like sub-organize them, but there's so many different categories. And on average, today, banks only sell you 1.8 of those. So think about, you know, these consumers that have these this this really like good looking, good functioning app on their phone, which mm-hmm. enables them to like immediately access um, like a variety right. of services. Um, that and that really is kind that of, where um, uh, it builds. Yeah, is that where Bitcoin comes in as well? Or is that a different kind of uh, traction for them? Yeah. I think Bitcoin comes in, and if I could kind of share something anecdotally, is that if you look at um, kind of Square's activity on social media and you look at their Cash App Fridays, they do that on Instagram and kind of scroll through. So for those who don't know, Cash App Friday is basically a giveaway, which Cash App does um, nearly every Friday, where you have to post your cash tag, your Cash App username in the comments, and then you might receive kind of like a lottery style, like um, like uh, $50 or Sometimes they also give away Bitcoin um, directly to your Cash App username. And what you find kind of scrolling to inst- to, through Instagram sometimes when they give out Bitcoin uh, in these instances is that you'll see kind of, you know, uh, people on Instagram like tagging their friends like, hey, look at this, right. like, like Bitcoin is the new currency of the <laughs> Internet. And then you look at the profile and I don't want to, you know, ju- like. But but you you know some people might have this this um you know this this picture in their mind when they think about somebody uh, oh, using yeah, like Bitcoin like nerdish bro. or something like that yeah like a crypto bro but if you if you look at what's happening kind of in, on social media regarding cash up and Bitcoin it's a very broad spectrum so what what I'm trying to get at here is that Bitcoin like cash up um, I think really introduced a lot a lot of people to Bitcoin 
just by having this functionality to just buy Bitcoin in the app. And what stands behind that is is Jack Dorsey's like re- like really deep belief that Bitcoin could become this currency of the internet, you know, not controlled by any government, central bank, right. and so forth. Um, and so, so Square is actually doing a lot of different things in terms of Bitcoin. You just mentioned um, uh, the, the the fact that they um, now have invested fifty million dollars into Bitcoin, which is roughly equivalent to one yeah. percent of their assets. Um, they they also give actually out Bitcoin grants uh, through a separate initiative called Square Crypto, where they just want to support the Bitcoin ecosystem and are giving out grants to. Bitcoin right. developers but, and Bitcoin designers. But Max, designers why only fifty to, million? I mean, you got yeah. a company that has, you know, you got Jack Dorsey, he's a billionaire. You've got this company Square, which is going up like a rocket ship. I just checked the the stock price before we started talking today. I think it's it's up about one hundred twenty dollars a share just a year to date. Why only fifty million? Mm. Why only fifty million? I think. If you compare it to what other public companies oh, yes. have um, have invested, that's a huge number. And actually, if you do the math, if you think about what ha- what what would happen, if every company in the S and P five hundred would allocate one percent of their assets into Bitcoin, like you would get into pretty interesting territory in terms of you know what Bitcoin, what that would do to Bitcoin's market cap and so forth. So I think you know I think there's still also is a little bit of uh, resistance um, which is being broken up but still I think a little bit of resistance in, in uh, you know in the traditional investor community like you for example earlier this year or was it last year there was a you know Goldman piece saying well we don't really trust Bitcoin so I think 50 million is a good start also not to completely like um, you know uh, right. overwhelm. Okay, and the other thing too, I mean, these Cash App um, promotions you see on the gram, like they had Cardi B doing a Cash App promotion. Was that tied with Square? Or was that just something Cardi mm. B did by herself? Do you know? Yeah, I think I, I don't know one hundred percent, but what I can say is that in the past they have done um, these giveaways with together with. With with rappers, um, with celebrities, um, so I would very strongly think that this also is con- coordinated kind of thing with with Cardi B. And from our perspective, that's so interesting because it's like a like a triple win situation, win win win. So what's what's happening is basically Cash App is giving money right. to Cardi B, and then Cardi B is giving away that money to their fans. So basically, Cardi B. So basically, Cash App is enabling Cardi B to build a stronger bond with their fans because who as a fan does not yeah. want to get money from your <laughs> right. favorite rapper, right? That's who wouldn't want cool some money thing. from Cardi B? So it's, it's exactly. So it, 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 you know, it helps the, the rapper or whatever uh, artist um, be like build a stronger bond with their fans. But also what it does for Cash App is it also kind of um, creates this positive association between, like I said, like kind of going back to my comments earlier, like a positive connection uh, uh, or orientation between the fan and Cash App because they associate that right. with Cardi B, you know, somebody like they trust and they probably also now more positive about the brand right. Cash App. And also what's super interesting, and this is kind of to a broader point in social media, uh, or sorry, in, in kind of uh, actually the, the, the kind of finance is thinking about um, what it costs to acquire a customer. So the the, consu- the the customer acquisition costs are um, really really high in in the financial sector. 
um, banks pay sometimes up to $1,000 to acquire a customer, just to have the customer. And Cash App has a much, much lower customer acquisition cost because they use those viral you know, campaigns and so forth. And also because they use peer-to-peer payments, right? That's probably what you meant earlier when you say your friends introduce you to Cash App, you heard from your Cash App from your friends. It's basically this network effect that you also have with Facebook and other social media platforms. You also have that for Cash App and Venmo because these two like apps are also peer-to-peer network, peer-to-peer payment networks. So it only makes sense to be on there if your friends are on there. So you actually have an incentive to sign up your friends, right? You are actually acquiring other people right. for Cash App. They don't have to pay money for that. They don't have to pay $1,000 for that like other people are doing. So that's great about these campaigns. But what's even one step further is that I think Cash App is also really smart to kind of deploy these campaigns into kind of engaged uh, user networks. So, for example, they would like use like an artist um, for these campaigns or they would also like use like work with gaming uh, firms or like get streamers right. like gamers to basically like kind of put the app out there and then let it kind of spread within the network of the fan base yeah. or the users who probably know each other a bit so the app is getting more sticky and more sticky because more people from the same network use yeah, it you know what absolutely. i mean from the same kind of group of people use it and that's why it's more yeah. sticky um because if you're on there, it's, also it's hard to get hard off. To, like, leave yeah, you want to get, the, you know, your money it, owes you $5. Exactly. You want to get that $5, right? Um, yeah. Exactly. So the That's other it. side of Square, though, is the business side. I mean, we've been talking a lot about Cash App and the consumer side, but there's the business side. And small and medium-sized businesses have really gotten hammered this year uh, because of the pandemic. And those are obviously some of Square's biggest customers. Um how has Square mm. been able to maintain and grow its, you know, its market cap? And as a, as we just talked about, the stock is going crazy. Is it all Cash App? Um, is mm. it that Square has just um, diversified itself to such a point, or are they really doing okay on the business side as well? Yeah, that's a great question, and that's a question that we also obviously asked ourselves, you know, as investors at Arc um, at the beginning of the COVID nineteen crisis. You know, what's going to happen here? Basically, our view back then was, and I think it has somewhat been validated, is like think about what kind of company um, like would you want to, uh, you know, um, have in the pet- in the portfolio in these tough times. For us, the answer should be is that, you know, if if you are interested in a company like Square, like what what speaks for Square is their ability to kind of innovate and navigate tough times. Because, in fact, if you look at Square's history, that's what Square has been doing, you know, since its inception. Like like I, like I said before, like they were the first one to completely revolutionize um credit card acceptance in the US. And they actually, it's actually a great book by um, the co-founder of Square who talks about um, Amazon, like putting out a a competitive product. I think it was in 2013, 2014. Um, But Square was able to overcome that. And in in the history um, of the company, you really had multiple 
kind of periods where there was disruptive uh, kind of energy yeah. coming towards them, but, but Max, they were, we're able to deal with it. And competitor I think here. we're talking about, about a pandemic, which is just hurting all the businesses who are their big consumers or users. Yeah, but yeah. I think it, it, it really comes down to kind of the mindset of the business uh, of Square and the culture and kind of what, what um, you know, what kind of uh, like processes you have in place to react and respond to external uh, negative gotcha. shocks or events, such as a competitive threat, such as kind of this crisis. And I think what happened, I think was, was really impressive with Square is that really in a matter of days and or weeks, they have. Um, they they deployed new products, so they they launched these curbside pickup features, um, where they enabled um, businesses to now kind of uh, you know switch to to pickup. I think what's also really interesting, and you can find that in their latest report, is that um, they were able to pivot really a significant part of their businesses from offline to online. So in Q2 through 2020, um, the the GPV that came from, and that's their um, um uh gross uh, uh payment volume um that came from um online channels was larger than 25% and that's up from 14% just a year ago so just uh probably in that quarter they were able to boost that number and basically bring businesses mm, so from offline to wave. online in other words enabled them to to gotcha. exactly to to sustain their business um, and, 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 and just the last point, I think also what the crisis did and what probably helped the stock is it as, as kind of the, the, the brick and mortar physical world was shutting down and as investors, um, you know, got worried about Square's main business, you know, you rightfully said that it's, it's tough on many of those businesses. Um, what happened was, I think, is that a lot of investors were kind of forced to look for other things at Square and they found the Cash App and they looked at Cash App, which they probably haven't done that much in detail before and actually thought and actually saw, wait a minute, this is an interesting business line of Square. And it might be even larger than Square's um, legacy seller business going forward. Okay. So I think that also explains taking a little us, bit uh the, the yeah the taking us full circle back to the cash app um so the last question i'll ask you is just about you mentioned central bank digital currencies and also uh banks just the commercial banks your jp morgan chase bank of america types how are they able to compete and the other thing is there's been news about china launching this new central bank digital currency the kind of e-renminbi if you will um, and the Fed now and other central banks around the world talking about pushing their own central bank digital currencies. This seems to me like it would be a threat to Square and Cash App and to the fintechs of the world. Uh, what's your thought there about central bank digital currencies and as well how the banks are going to fight back? Because I can't imagine, I mean, you know, they made record profits these past couple quarters, but I have to imagine that they're worried and scared for their lives. Yes, I think they are. Um, and look, I think at ARC, we don't think banks are just going to disappear off this planet in you know the next couple of years and just completely disappear in, 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 into nowhere. But there's going to be a lot of pressure on banks. And I think you'll see probably some sort of consolidation into like maybe one of the few players that are doing a rather good job at digitizing. But still, generally, like what is really interesting is that 
you know, JP Morgan and other banks, they're still opening branches. They're closing more that they're, than, than they're opening, but they're still opening branches. And I think as, mm-hmm. you know, as, and this was kind of accelerated by COVID-19, but as the world is moving more online and getting more digital, um, I think, you know, going to a bank branch, I don't know if that's mm. something that we're going to do in 5, 10, 15 years. We, we think probably not or not, not as often. Um, and so it's going to be tricky for them. On the, on the central bank digital currency side, um, that's an area at ARC that um, Yassine, um, our crypto analyst, is looking into for the most part. But what I can say is that um, I think you, you probably have to look at it through different geograph- geographical lenses, too. I think the topic is maybe a little bit more um, uh, interesting as of right now, because right. there's more happening in China, um, where you generally have a more centralized um, you know, economy. So and, and China actually is already, uh, you know, in tests with their uh, digital bank, digital currency, a uh, central bank, digital currency. So in China, we think that, you know, you have a market which is basically in terms of digital payments, mobile payments, which is basically a duopoly out of WeChat Pay and Alipay. You basically have nearly all of China in terms of their population using either Alipay or WeChat Pay or both. Um, so there uh, we think what's probably going to happen is that the Chinese government is use, is going to use those two platforms that are, like I said, already used by um, literally over a billion people and, you know, maybe even ha- already have well, some connections. I, I think Chinese that's fair government. speculation. I don't want to speculate, but it's China. Um, uh, so, yeah. Yeah, so so they they probably are 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 probably keen to use those uh, as distribution for their central bank digital currency, and then if you think about China, like there also uh, is a lot of um, geopolitical ambition. If you think about the New Belt Road Initiative and China's interest in Africa, I think China also is probably interested in using those two platforms, WeChat Pay and Alipay, as kind of you know like I said, a distribution platforms to export um, the the yuan or the digital yuan into other geographies. I think that's probably one of their, an, an interesting, at least for them, um, perspective to take. I think in the US it's it's and in other kind of democratic Western societies, I think it's the, the equation is probably a little bit more difficult where um, there is not as much cent- centralized power. So, um, you know, we're monitoring that closely um and obviously there also is is a ton happening um but yeah i think the the question yeah i just as i've been reading through a lot of the literature about the central bank digital currencies from the fed especially and chair jay powell just came out and talked about it uh fed governor Lael brainerd has been writing papers about it for the past couple years it seems the the fed and other central banks really want to protect these commercial banks and make sure that they don't get left out in the cold and I would just assume that you know Square is really its amazing growth story and that trajectory is kind of predicated on taking a big bite out of that bank industry business. That's probably true. Um, yeah, and yeah, you can probably also bring Bitcoin into the equation here too. Um, you know, that is a that's very different uh, you know um, setup that that Bitcoin has as a centralized. Um, digital bank uh, or central bank digital currency and um, yeah uh, you know maybe if there is uh, at the end of the day a, a choice that can be made by consumers 
maybe some of them will will side with a government control currency maybe some of them will side with a more you know decentralized open uh, currency such as bitcoin maybe facilitated more by square but um that's also <laughs> okay. uh more maybe of a philosophical question so I think it's super interesting debate. That does it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Max Friedrich, fintech analyst at ARK Invest. And we talked before JP Morgan unveiled its new consumer and business banking tools Wednesday morning, but I caught up with Max over email and he says it doesn't change his outlook on Square. In fact, JP Morgan is 10 years too late, he told me. As always, today's episode of Voices of Wall Street was produced by Mike Teich.